This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Arizona State Football Insight. I'm your host, Rob Penn, along with my co-host, J.R. Redmond, and the big fella. Juan Roque. How you guys doing? Solid. For sure. Juan, awesome, how you brother. Awesome. It's hump day, but it's awesome. Let's talk about how you feel. I, I read your post this week. You were pretty uh, pretty hyped, man. Uh, you even did an entire first half breakdown, as usual, but this one had a little bit more um, uh, spirit to it, and it carried out, you know, throughout the quarters and ultimately throughout the fourth quarter. Uh, let, let You know, when uh, – Let's bring that same excitement tonight, you know, and uh, hopefully we can carry that throughout the rest of the season. Go ahead, get one of these New Year's Six Bowl games, you know, and uh, party like it's you know, like 1999 around here, brother. One, uh, let's open up. I want to take it back to 1996, your senior year. September 7th, Washington, the very first game of the season. In that epic you know, historical run that you guys made. How did that game set the tone for the rest of the year? Coming in number 20 ranked in the nation. A lot of pressure on the team. Um, a lot of uh, guys that had never been in that position, me included. Um, we'd never been ranked. We'd never had expectations placed on us. Uh, we had a group of new players like JR and um, geez, I'm trying to think of other guys that, that were that were new to the squad. There, but Jeremy Stott, you know, on defense. Mm-hmm. that had never been in these environments. So we were all in it in an unfamiliar territory, kind of an unfamiliar situation where we're the favorites. We're the ones that are expected to win. And that game, you want to talk about a microcosm to a season, everything that could happen wrong and good happened in that game. We got up to a 42-21 lead. We were pretty in control, and then they caught us. And now it's 42-42. There's about, what, 356 left? So we had adversity. We had dominance, and then we had it slip away. Now we're tied. All this pressure's on us, right? We had to take that football, and we had to move the sticks, and we had to get in field goal range, which we did. And Robert Neese, I believe, from 48 yards. History, you know, historians will probably disagree with that. I'll just say 48 yards, right? It's our mm-hmm. show. We'll say what the hell we So I kick those to 48 yards. As time expires, we win the game 45-42. That set the tone from the standpoint that I believe the team realized at that moment nobody could stop us except ourselves. And that so long as we limit the mistakes and limit the nonsense, you know, we went into a lull. We, we, we did it to ourselves. We were dominating them. We could have probably put them away, probably put up 50 on them, 60 on them. But we didn't. We maybe got a little bit happy, got a little bit fat, you know, thinking that we had it won and not realizing that the Huskies are a team full of pride. They came back and tied it to us. So a lot of things happened in that game. But it did set the tone for the season where, one, we weren't taking anything for granted. Two, we were not going to allow anybody to catch us, much less beat us. And three, we knew we had something special. We knew we had a talented team. We knew that we had 
we knew we had some ballers and that we were destined to do something great if we were willing to do it and get it done. Um, when he said it set the tone, you know, the thing about, like you said, going up 21 points um, and then having to fight, you know, to, to win the game at the end. Um, it As a freshman, it showed me that this team had, I mean, all types of heart. You see, you, you've been in those positions before when you go up big early and you do everything you can to hold on. But for some reason or another, you find a way to lose the game. Well, um, we found a way to win the game and it, it would continue to happen. We were up 21 in that instance. They came back. Um, needless to say, they had a grown man running the ball and uh, uh, Corey Dillon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had a grown man running the ball and Corey Dillon. And um, so, you know, we had our hands, we had our, our hands full. But to fast forward to playing UCLA, and this is what we did in that game help us to be able to overcome when we were playing UCLA and we're down 21 points mm-hmm. ourselves. And now we, you know, we're finding ourselves on the other end of the spectrum and we have to do everything that we have to do and make every play there is to be made in order to come back. And um, I think that that set the tone, like, like you said, and like, like Juan said. Yeah. See, yeah. That was my following question. You know, being up 21 and going through that trepidation and that real adversity, you know, in that very first game, like, I said, like, like you just mentioned in the UCLA game, I know that it was many games during that season where you guys were tested, but your character, you know, was brought, you know, to the surface in that very first game. And you knew you could play through that adversity and really come together as a team. You know, that's, that's what I saw. You know, and uh, so, you know, getting down the stretch in your toughest game during the season – you say that what, what game would you say that was, Juan? Toughest game into the season by far was USC. And yeah. the reason I say that is because we get down early 14-0. We had some bad breaks. And in today's world, of course, you know, replay would have called back one of their touchdowns. Game would have never ended in a tie, but it wasn't now. It was then. So a lot of things happened, some self-inflicted, some not self-inflicted, that led us to be behind. We had to claw back to tie, and then we ended up in a tie. And then we go into overtime, and then they score right away. Then we score right away. And then we had, you know, the fumble, and all of a sudden, you know, we we score. They fumble. We score again. Game's over. That double overtime game was one that could have very easily went the other way, even more so than UCLA, because like JR said, we had to make the plays at UCLA. We had a near flawless second half with Terry Battle just takes the opening kickoff and scores. Cuts the lead, you know, by by seven right out of the gate. Defense comes up big on some 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 key uh, turnovers. But USC, they came into our house, the defending Pac-10 champions from the year before, uh-huh. and they were looking to kick our asses. Mm-hmm. And they came in strong. They had Chris Claiborne at defense, who is now our linebacker coach, true freshman starting. Jar will tell you, kid was a man already. They 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 were they were deep. That squad was deep. They they gave us all we can handle and. That was, to me, the key moment in the season was being able to come out with that W at home, 74,000 people, Keith Jackson, Bob Greasy, Lynn Swan, you know, calling the game for ABC, nationwide television audience, you know. Again, high-pressure situation that we've never been in before where we're favored to beat USC. Then you have this kid kid from South Central, freshman kid, you know, going against the team that – he always grew up, you know, wanting to play for, you know, the school that he wanted to play for. 
And you know, both. <laughs> we spoke about this, how, yeah, Ontario. Yeah, same thing. Uh, we spoke about this before, how, especially when you went to the Coliseum, Jay, uh, how, you know, you had like uh, from the 25 to the goal line full of, you know, Redmonds. <laughs> yes. You know, tell us about that, that, that first game against USC coming to our house, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and uh, you know, getting the chance to really shine on TV and you know your people back home in South Central were watching. Um, well, you know, it's always good uh, when I got an opportunity to go in a game because I was fortunate enough to be used as a weapon. So whenever I went in a game, generally the ball was probably going to come my way. Um, so that's always a good thing. A lot of times you, you go in a game wondering what they're going to call or if the ball's going to come my way. It's pretty much when it's going to come my way. I know I'm, they're going to give me an opportunity. So um, I was just waiting for my chance, you know, um, and obviously it would come. I would get an opportunity to make a couple plays, you know, get a first down here and there, a um, couple big runs, and uh, just be able to help, you know, put the team in a, in a good position um, when, when I had the opportunity. Yeah, and kind of building on what JR said, guys, is uh, he was the number two back at that point. He's a true freshman, first season playing for the Sun Devils. Remember, Mike Martin got hurt the week before. Mm. at UCLA. Broke his neck. Thankfully, he was okay. He was able to play 97. So now we got JR with an opportunity to contribute and he answered the bell, man. He he answered the call. He did his job. He did his, like he said, every time he touched the rock, something magical would happen. To the point that we believe when 21 was in the game, we had, we, we could score in that play. We knew that. Um, like I said, Terry Battle was the workhorse. JR Redmond was the thunder, man. He was the guy that they were, they were giving him the ball to get that 10 10, 20, 30 yard gain on a counter play or a toss or, or a reverse or something. It was just, it was awesome to see him step up like that. And we believed in him. He believed in us. And as you see, the results speak for themselves. And, and not just blowing his head up. He's one of my favorite college running backs of all time. And plus, he was a, hey, he was a killer on Madden, you know, but <laughs> like, like, so, all right. So that game that set the tone for you guys during the season. And that adversity that you guys faced it, how you came together when, uh, you know, nobody knew where Arizona State was. You were ranked number 20, young squad. You still had some veterans in that were coming to, you know, wreck shopping, some all-American linemen there, you know, like the big fella. You know, uh, let's go back to last week. With all the adversity that this current team is facing, you know what – uh, the, the list goes on and on and on with every reason why they were supposed to get blown out by 40, you know, yet they found a way to come together to save their season. Cause that's what that was. It was more than just a game saving, you know, uh, it was more than just a, a one game win. You know, that was a game saving season. You know, no, I'm sorry. That was a game winning. What the fuck am I trying to say? That was a, a season saving win. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was a season, a season altering victory, you know, yeah. nonetheless. Uh, they came together, first half, you know, uh, our guy Emery got hurt, went out, you know, he was efficient on a couple passes, but then uh, QB2 came in. Why? Floor is yours. What were the keys hey. to victory? That's 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 I was going to say I left that to you. <laughs> yeah. And not just blowing his head up. He's one of my favorite college running backs of all time. And plus, he was a, hey, he was a killer on Madden. You know, but <laughs> like, like, so, all right, so 
that game that set the tone for you guys during the season and that adversity that you guys faced it, how you came together when, uh, you know, nobody knew where Arizona State was. You were ranked number 20, young squad. You still had some veterans in that were coming to, you know, wreck shopping, some all-American linemen there, you know, like the big fella. You know, uh, let's go back to last week. With all the adversity that this current team is facing, you know what – uh, the, the list goes on and on and on with every reason why they were supposed to get blown out by 40, you know, yet they found a way to come together to save their season. Cause that's what that was. It was more than just a game saving, you know, uh, it was more than just a, a one game win. You know, that was a game saving season. You know, no, I'm sorry. That was a game winning. What the fuck am I trying to say? That was a season saving win. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was a season, a season altering victory. You know, yeah. nonetheless, uh, they came together first half. You know, uh, our guy Emery got hurt, went out. You know, he was efficient on a couple passes, but then um, QB two came in. One, floor is yours. What were the keys to victory? I was at Berger. I left that to you. <laughs> is the most telling of that victory, besides beating the 21st ranked team in the country, was it was not a perfect game by ASU. They could still get better. So we had, we got a squad that has been through the, the fire. Herm Edwards gets fired. They lose the EMU. They get trounced by Utah. They have a decent outing against USC. I agree, Rob. It's a season-saving victory because you lose that game, you're one in five. Now, all of a sudden, your season looks bleak. And they got two winnable games coming up after the bye week. So, getting this W right now, yeah, they're two and four, okay? You know, that's, that's, we're not going to book the tickets for New Year's Eve just quite yes, just yet. But I think that when you look at the victory, it was imperfect. A lot of room for improvement. And when they beat the 21st-ranked team in the country, that's a scary thought that this team is only going to get better. Yeah. That's right. The keys to the victory, one. You know. All right. Well, what you so they, they pretty much, you know, followed. You pretty much called that. You know, uh, it was dead <laughs> on. You know, uh, I, I loved it. And so you pretty much called it. Let's talk about the keys to the victory and how they executed those. So there were three keys that we talked about. And for me, it was the first quarter was being able to be productive early in the game. Get the chains moving, do the things necessary to keep Penix and the Washington offense off the field. And ASU accomplished that to a degree. They got their first drive. They got the ball at 10-29 with the first quarter. They kept the ball for a whopping 6 minutes, 32 seconds. So they gave the ball back at 357 in the first quarter. That is a hell of a job by the offense of moving the chains, being productive, the only bad part about that is they ended with a field goal. Washington had already scored, so 7-3. You want to get a touchdown in that situation. you got to find a way to get the six and the extra point. A field goal is not how you want to end six minutes and 32 seconds. That is almost like a consolation prize. So on that one, I'm going to grade them a C. They could have been better. I thought that the drive stalled. Um, lack of execution, again, things that the fundamentals, the basics, not finishing blocks, letting them get in the backfield and so forth. So uh, I give actually I'm sorry, I give them a C minus on that one. So I'm a hard grader, guys. I, I don't I don't mess around. The second key was pressure Penix. You know, Penix is a damn good quarterback. You know, Michael is, you know, he's efficient, 
He can run. He's athletic. He's like a he's like a poor man's Caleb Williams, you know, who we saw against USC just dominate on offense at times. Penix is in that category. He's not that good, but he's pretty flipping good. And ASU had to find a way to pressure him. They had to pressure him, get him out of his rhythm, get him out of his get him out of his comfort zone. They did it okay. I'm not going to say it was great. They had one sack, they had an interception. He threw for zero touchdowns, so all that was good. However, he threw for 311 yards. Jar will tell you, over 250 is considered a winning effort in the conventional offense, not a spread, which they threw for 300 no matter what. But he threw for 311, but he completed 62% of his passes. Um, also giving up 38 points, I won't say that that's going to cut it as the season grinds on. you got to find a way to limit that type of production. I grade him a C on that. The last key was the X factor, which Zazavi and Validate. As we know, he's a beast. He's a workhorse. He is, he is like a Michael Martin type runner. He will run you over. He'll run around you. He is strong. He is built for, you know, for, for that production and, and built to move those chains. And he did that. They got him involved. They gave him the rock. He had 4.8 yards per carry. He ran for 117 yards, scored a touchdown. And Daniel and God also chipped in with 39 yards on a 9.8 carry average. Give this kid the rock more, please. Scored a touchdown. So combined, the rushing attack was 156 yards of 5.7 yard per carry average against a pretty damn good defense. Scored two touchdowns. I grade him an A. That's an A. That's a winning effort. Jared will tell you, that is a winning effort. When you are putting up 156 yards and you're averaging 5.7 yards, you're doing something on offense. Overall. Great. Overall grade, I'm going to say with the improvements, the defense giving up 38 points a lot. They got the W, though. In the end, that's what counts. Got the W. Yep. I would grade them a B minus overall um, because there were some moments that, especially at the end of the game, where UW was threatening and, you know, a huge mistake gets made and another fourth and 35 and the clock expires, ASU wins the game. So the defense came through and held when they were supposed to. So I give them a B minus because they got the W. Otherwise, it'd be a C. I, I want to uh, I wanna challenge your inner special insider Brittany Boyer spirit. Quarterback, <laughs> quarterback controversy? Conventional wisdom will tell you that you don't lose your job to an injury. However, however, conventional wisdom but yeah. we live in unconventional times you got a bye week to figure that out I'm going to just hold committing to any one person I just think whoever shows in practice that the coaches believe gives them the best chance to win you know, Emory Jones earned the job in camp it, it was his job he got injured um, he didn't do anything to warrant being benched however you might want to go Berger the hot hand. You know, the offense did did look different with him. So I, I don't want to be shot of Guano right now. And uh you know that and that AFC offensive staff, that, that's gonna be tough. They got a bye week to figure that out of who's gonna come out against Stanford, you know, under center. Okay. You know, I I will compare this to University of Michigan's issue coming out during the season with, you know, two uh gunslingers, two potential starters with um, McNamara and J.J. McCartney, you know, and how the team really reacted with body language and how they played, uh, you know, with uh, the quarterbacks when they on the field. So we really have to pay attention to that, you know, composure and how the team, uh, the, how, they, how they react, you know, to the quarterback situations, you know. So that's something to look forward to, Donna Thank you, fellas.
Moving on. My hopes is the NFL Competition Committee looks at this next set of meetings, and you know we take the dresses off. Troy Eggman passed this past Monday night football game. JR. Um, I'm going to tell you what. I'm sure there were some people that was offended by that statement. Um, I think they should take their offense and mail them to someone who cares. Um, as it pertains to football and football business and how the game is played, you, um, you have to consider and listen and take the advice of the people that came before you, the Hall of Famers, the greats, the ones that played this game at a high level, uh, won Super Bowls, right? Uh, played in Pro Bowls. Um, he has something to say and his, his voice and his opinion is, is very solid. Um, this is a man's game. It is a man's game. And yes, we do now have women officials. However, the way that we play the game should not start to turn, um, you know, in another direction. You know, uh, you, you see, it's a physical game. It's all about contact. So you can't avoid contact. A lot of times they want to ignore the, the laws of physics and, and, and act like, you know, a 300 pound man can all of a sudden, once he's committed, shift his body weight um, to where um, you know, no one can do that. These guys, they're very big. They're very agile. They're very, very fast. And, you know, and again, athletic, um, real dominant athletes. But they're just being unreasonable, absolutely unreasonable with what they're asking some of the guys to do, um, especially as it pertains to tackling a quarterback. Um, I know they want to protect people, right? And I, I believe that you should protect people as much as possible. Mm-hmm. However, you still have to let them play football. You got to let them play football. Um, one of the things that you're going to see, and we've been seeing because you can't really hit up high anymore, um, you're going to see uh, so many people getting their knees blown out now. Really? It's going to happen. I, I mean, knee injuries are mm-hmm. going to increase like crazy. You know why? Because if you're going to protect the quarterback, you should also protect the people that catch the ball and turn and run. Not just catch the ball and hit, but when they catch the ball and their back is to a defender. Unprotected. Yeah, right. And they get ready to turn. It's Mm -hmm. okay for you to hit them right there smacking their knee as they're turning and their body hasn't even had an opportunity to adjust to the oncoming force. And people's knees are going to get blown out. People's legs are going to get broke left and right. So if they're going to protect, protect everybody, not just the quarterback. Yeah. All right. Juan, with someone that really deals with uh, collision and, uh, you know, an uh, upper level of, uh, you know, of, of aggression and every single play deep down in those trenches where it all begins at, what is your take on it? First of all, I think that anyone who would be offended by what Troy Aikman said probably never played football. So, like JR said, take your opinions, mail them to someone who gives a care because we don't, especially those of us that played at that level. And JR played at a level that won a Super Bowl. So, I would be more inclined to listen to what JR has to say or what Troy Aikman has to say than some person on the internet who just decided to get offended. I saw some headline that says he was under fire. By who? So I think that people just need to chill out, 
and stop being offended by every damn thing. Because like Jared said, this is a physical game. This is a man's game. This is a violent game. That's why we freaking played it. That's why we love it. We know we know we could get hurt. We know we could potentially die. That, that comes with it. But if you play the game within the rules, if you play the game at a high level and you do what you're coached to do and you use your fundamentals, the likelihood of something bad happening to you is not very high. There's more dangerous sports out there, guys. Soccer's more dangerous. There's more concussions in soccer than there are in football. But you're never, you're never going to read that. More concussions in soccer, guys. So let's look at what really is the issue. And I agree with JR here. I think the rules are getting stupid. That It's just a matter of time before we see a catastrophic injury on a D-lineman who, like JR says, is trying to defy physics because he doesn't want to get flagged or suspended or thrown out of the game where he's going to be committed in a certain direction, try to change, and something bad is going to happen to him. And I, I pray, guys, I pray we never see that day because that will be the wake-up call that is going too far. There's incidental contact. If a D lineman is moving at a certain speed and the quarterback throws the ball, it's in real time, guys. We know there's incidental hits. It happens. Quarterbacks get hit. You know, running backs get hit. Receivers get hit. Everyone gets hit at some point or other. We all take a bad shot. I took one on an interception one time, got blindsided. It happens. But when you try to limit the violence, when you try to put a check on the intensity of the game, Bad things are going to happen. And this is happening now. We're seeing it. And like JR says, you're going to see knees getting popped. You're going to see, you know, uh, remember what happened to Alex Smith? Did anyone see? Did you guys yeah. see that? That yeah. horrific? You're going to see a lot more of that because there's going to be guys going low. Joe Thiesman. So, so yeah. is it really making the game safer or is it making the game more dangerous? Hey, hey. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. So hey. let, me, let, me do, let me do it. There you go. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. You can catch us on all platforms, and Kyle will tell you what that is. Go ahead, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and the Believe Network. Wow. And ASAPElite.com. Thank you for tuning in. Forks up, baby. Forks up. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.